Welcome to the Analytics of Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Jordan McNamara. Uh, we are in the middle of February and getting ready for the Combine, uh, free agency, the draft analysis, I think, is fully in, in full swing. MFL's rolled over, still waiting for some leagues to roll over uh, and some startup drafts to get started up. Uh but it's uh, we're in the full swing. So this episode, I wanted to talk about some of the news uh, and and some of the bigger topics going on. Some stuff I've seen on Twitter in regards to um, some work that I have done uh, that has sort of to percolate a little bit. So I just wanted to to get that out there a little bit and have some uh, have a little discussion about that. So we'll start first with the news. Um, there's been news a little bit. I think it's been derided to some degree uh, about the Chargers quarterback situation. Tom Telesco, their GM, said in a interview earlier this week or earlier this week on Tuesday specifically that he likes our internal options. That's his quote uh, to replace Philip Rivers. Tyrod Taylor's under contract. Uh, Easton Stick uh, is also uh, was a pick that they made, um, a backup quarterback that they made day three last year. Um, I actually watched a fair bit of them in the preseason last year for some of my writing obligations, and I thought Cardell Jones was the better quarterback. Uh, to be honest with you, they ended up keeping Stick, and, and Cardell Jones is now off playing in the XFL. Um Stick looks purely like a developmental option to me, uh, and and coming from the the lower ranks in terms of his college pedigree, uh, I think it's I think a lot of this is probably um, blustering. It's the beginning of lying season. I don't think it's any surprise to anyone that during the quarterback for during the quarterback market in the draft or in free agency. Um, that Do I like Tyrod Taylor? Uh, yes, I do as a, you know, a, a deeper end, uh, super flex, you know, QB4, QB5 type that could start games this year, certainly. Um, I had him rostered in a, the back end of a couple of leagues. I actually picked him up in the uh, in some start one leagues as well, the rushing upside. I don't think anyone's going to, I, you know, compare him to the prolific passer by any means, but the rushing upside is 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 real. Uh, do I think he's got upside to crack the top twelve? I'd probably put that pretty low. We haven't seen that out of him uh, at this point in his career, so it's it seems unlikely. And a lot of the a lot of the base rates and the density rate studies that I did uh, for the analytics of Dynasty. Uh, it's not really how quarterbacks traject, so that that would be an odd outcome. But could he be a serviceable quarterback two or quarterback three in a super flex? I think that's possible. Um, you know what's the what's the 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 longevity on that? Uh, it's probably a year, if not shorter. So I think we gotta we gotta balance those two things. Does he is he a a playable option? I think that's that's certainly the case. Is he a, a long term? starter at this point in his career? Probably not. Um, they've been linked to Justin Herbert. There's been some thought that you know, maybe they'll trade up uh, and be in the Tua conversation. We'll have to see. I still think Detroit is sitting really well at the um, 
the the third pick in the draft to really be a player in this in this draft. Other notable quarterback news: uh, Cam Newton. In the news, David Tepper, their owner, um, and I'll just quote, quote Roto World here. So there's a lot of different things that can happen, but first is is he healthy? Tell me that, and we can talk. <laughs> um, you know, I, I the Cam has been banged up for a while uh, and was a pick under previous ownership, under previous regime. There's no direct loyalty there uh, between the owner and and Cam Newton. So we'll see. I think that's a, I think it's certainly a possible scenario for them to move on. I, I talked about this in the, the Patreon side and when we were diving through all the, all the free agents and all the, uh, and and sort of doing an overview of all 32 teams. I thought Carolina projects as a team. Matt Rule signs a real long-term deal uh, in in you know, seven years, um, and you know Keekley's moved on. They move on from a veteran like Greg Olson, sort of you know mutually part ways. I think was the phrase. Uh, and it wouldn't shock me to see them move on from Cam Newton. Is this a tank for Trevor type scenario? I'm not sure. You know, I think we can we can start reading tea leaves on that as a, as this thing goes on. But they're in a. I think they're looking at this for the long term. And one of the more interesting stories in in the NFL, I think, in in particularly we can look at it through the Carolina lens, is the old money versus new money, and a lot of the analytics savvy stuff that's happened in pro basketball and the NBA has been because they're new money uh, owners, right? They've made their money in new money economy, um, technology and, and computers and, and those sorts of things. You see more 21st century thinking in terms of analytics and team building and those sorts of things. That really hasn't systematically made its way into the NFL. You see it bits and pieces here. There's teams that are that are uh, pro, you know, analytics more than others, but you haven't really seen a lot of the new money get into the NFL in terms of in terms of tech and finance and those sorts of things. David Tepper is certainly that. Um, comes from a uh, investment banking background um, and and so I, I think he's a uh, we're going to see and I think that's the be- he's laying down the beginning of of building something different. And I think the bringing in Matt Rule on the long term deal, I think that signals something to us in terms of how they want to build this team. So I wouldn't be shocked if they move on from Cam Newton. Is Cam Newton in play to be a starter next year? I think absolutely. Is he a? Uh, there's this you know, revolving door of of potential guys who are starters uh, at different stages of their career that are entering. Uh, potentially entering the free agent market. Drew Brees, I don't think he's going anywhere, um, but is technically a free agent. Brady, um, Andy Dalton could be a free agent. He's likely to be cut. Uh, Rivers, Dak Prescott, Jameis Winston. You know, there's a uh, Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill. There's there's a variety of types, uh, different levels of success in different stages of their career. He's gonna. These guys are gonna make a really interesting uh, first part of the. The NFL calendar this year, so um, I think I think that situation is really interesting from a different, multiple different perspectives. There's some trickle on effect, I think, down to DJ Moore uh, and and Curtis Samuel to some degree. Curtis Samuel really high 
air yards last year, but uh, struggled with the efficiency. So we'll see sort of what what his 2020 brings. But he's another interesting player I'm looking at. Um, the wide receivers, I, I just looked at at Roto World uh, before I hit record, and um, we see another Dante Pettis story. Dante Pettis is, is one of my favorite uh, it's one of my favorite stories from 2019, not in a good way. Um, he was the, the bell of the ball in fantasy in, in June, July, and August, one of the big rising players. But every single practice report that I tracked for them, uh, it wasn't good. It just kept not being good. And it was one of the clear examples of the reality didn't match anything what the fantasy narrative was. And so that's a, it's a classic, um, it's a classic caution tale that you got to look at um and you know the the quotes were oh kyle shanahan is trying to motivate dante pettis um you know wants him to be the wide receiver one wants to needs to motivate him and all the things that happened this year um didn't it didn't motivate him i guess either wanted him to come back stronger in 2020 so maybe that's why they benched him for the super bowl to to motivate him um, Jalen Hurd is a guy that's actually interesting and you never s- truly know uh, how a team is being built and, and what the what their mind's eye will tell you about uh, you know what their picks tell you about the mind's eye until you get some opportunity to, to look at it but I I sort of am looking at Jalen Hurd through the, the mold of Debo Samuel a little bit and Debo Samuel they use uh, as an extension of the run game and arounds, get the ball in his hands, dangerous type of player. Jalen Hurd is a former running back, and he was a uh, buzz player in training camp, gets hurt, hurts his back, ends up um, missing the season. Uh, the reports are he's doing well. I'm not sure he ever projects really as a, as a wide receiver too for fantasy, something like that, but I think this is a player you could see get on the rise, and you sort of look at the way that a guy like Debo Samuel's been used – it certainly is conducive to Jalen Hurd's uh, skill set. And now we sort of know that Kyle Shanahan is getting his players in there, sort of how he, uh, you know, he's picking the, him and John Lynch are picking the groceries and, and using them now uh, with full control. He's getting his guys. And now we sort of see what that looks like. And I think it's a, I think Jalen Hurd's an interesting player in that sort of realm. So he's a player I'm looking at deeper down the line um, in terms of, you know, whether it's an add on the back end of roster type deal, fourth round rookie pick uh, equivalency Although I'm not making those types of deals right now, but that sort of thing would be, would certainly be um, peak my interest in terms of um, buzz players that you could cash out later on for more. A couple notable things that I saw on Twitter this week. I thought, uh, bear some some thought one thing that i always worry about or express some concern about in terms of uh just blanket analysis is is the production per target of a player and that thing that those stats are points per target uh ppr points per target specifically is something that isn't particularly sticky year over year it's highly it's fluctuates uh year to year in terms of guys that are really really efficient so think aj brown uh, aren't typically 
players that see that uh, th- that's a regression stat. It's not something that players uh, can control all that well year over year. There's virtually uh, zero correlation year over year in terms of in terms of those stats. So anytime you're buying high on a player because of their per target production, you got to be really careful about that. Unless you're going to see a rise in targets or a uh, a rise in volume in some in some way, shape, or form. You just you have to be careful about paying that price. So that's one thing I, I always express some caution about when I see it. Um, another thing that so in that context, I saw um, at Nick Whalen tweeted this week. Um, if you look at film of 2018-2019, Brashad Perriman is good at football. That the stats back it up as well. Combined stats in those two years: 94 targets, 50. Two receptions, 985 yards, and eight touchdowns. If you sort of just look back at those regression stats that I talked about, a target typically historically has been worth about 1.65 points per uh, PPR points per target. Uh, and for a lot of reasons, that number uh, stays about there. Touchdown rates and uh, you know defenses, defensive structure, and those and those sorts of things. Uh, it, it just brings it into that number is is sort of where you're going to look for players to to generally find themselves some years higher, higher touchdown rates, um, and more optimized targets can get higher touchdown rates. But those things aren't typically that sticky year over year. So um, anything anything above 1.85 or 1.9 points per target you got to be really really skeptical of in terms of the repeatability of that same thing goes on the other side too guys that are you know, 1.45 1.4 or lower um, you, those things tend to come back around so one of the big things that I really look at is is targets tell me how many targets a player is going to get and I'll have a pretty good idea of where that person's going to uh, be in terms of whether it's rankings or seasonal finishes, those sorts of things. You have to be, um, I think it's more important to look at the targets and the data would really s- suggest that as well. Um, that that production for Paramount under those targets is 2.11 PPR points per target. Uh, and I think really the the skill at the receiver position, when you look at the stats, the skill at the receiver position is really getting getting targets, uh, and the the structures of the NFL and defenses and and those sorts of um, efficiencies. All of the efficiencies end up working that number back to one point six five about and or close to that number. Uh, and what what really dictates a, how good a player is is how many times he can be targeted by a quarterback. Bad players don't get open, don't get the looks of quarterbacks, and don't get a lot of targets. Conversely, <laughs> good players get a lot of targets and get and just get more opportunities because they're open more. Quarterbacks trust them. All of those, uh, you know, offenses are built around them. They're on the field more. All of those things. That that is the skill. The efficiency is is less the skill and more variance. It's more noise. So uh, I looked at the the pyramid stats and I said, oh, that's interesting. The the efficiency is high. And if you sort of extrapolate it out, it's less than four targets a game. So 
yes, he was good on those targets, but really the the, the the skill in that is getting the targets. In less than four targets a game, you extrapolate that out over the course of a season. Um, not good. Not good. So you, know, you can't get uh, truly serviceable receiver production over the course of a season on less than 64 targets. So you need, you need players to be in the seven to eight targets per game range. So you're looking really a good number to to want is 120 or more in terms of in terms of uh, targets over the course of a season uh, and if you sort of extrapolate that out it's 7.5 targets per game so seven on the low end is is okay uh, you really want seven and a half eight or more to really be your consistent your consistent receivers. Uh, it's rare for a receiver. It happens. Um, AJ Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster a couple years ago, it, it's rare for wide receivers under 90 targets to get top 24 production. It's just rare. Um, and similarly, it's it's not that common for wide receivers under 100. Once you start getting up into the, the 110s and 120s and 130s, that's really where you see your, uh, and above that is where you see your core production. So always be careful about those efficiency stats. That's one notable thing uh, that I saw this week. Another thing I saw, uh, Ryan McDowell tweeted out, uh, he was looking at some uh, some of the uh, exchange rate is always what I like to call it. It's uh, the... Uh, where rookies are going in startup drafts, essentially. Uh, and so um, he tweeted out some info on rookies in startup dynasty drafts. I assume this is start one because that's the um, that's the format that he does his mock drafts in. Uh, three third rounders, three fourth rounders, and two fifth rounders. So six in the top 50, uh, eight in the top 60, 11 in the top 80 and 14 in the top 100. Um, so I, I look at those and uh, generally speaking, I have a, I have a chart that in the analytics of dynasty 2020 edition that I've gone back through data dating back to 2008. And I have a basically a conversion chart, which is the, what, where does a historic rookie pick slot in in a startup draft? So this exercise is always interesting because I like to see sort of where the data uh, is now and sort of where it is historically. I think it gives you a couple of measures. It tells you what the market thinks at the at the top of the draft and and then later on as well. So you can sort of identify pockets of potential value historically. Um, of course, that that at this point of the offseason is a little... Um, tough to gauge I think because there's there's uncertainty there um, and you know we don't have a great understanding of where these players are going or their draft pedigree or all those things so I would expect those numbers to move um, and expect them to move up I think you can reasonably expect a, at least two players in this draft to be in the top 24 picks come come NFL draft time. Um, so you're looking, you know, June, May, June, July, August drafts that you'll get, um, at least one and you could see two, uh, 
players in the top 24 in the top two rounds. So, um, so historically, the rookie pick 101 goes at about pick 20. So uh, back half of the second round, um, pick two goes at 32. So 12 picks later. Um, and then from there, they sort of... Sh- the gap gets smaller as they go along. So just to give you an idea, uh, pick six is in the sixth round uh, and pick uh, 12, which is the last pick in a 12-team league, uh, goes in in the ninth round uh, of a startup draft at about pick 100. Uh, So typically, as to sort of extrapolate that out a bit, uh, if you trade for a a future first-round pick and the you know in a year or say you're trading for a future pick in 2021 you can reasonably say that 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 pick will uh, be a top 100 pick um if the pick is not going to be a a, if the pick's going to be a playoff team that's going to be in the sixth seventh eighth ninth round range if the pick's a non-playoff pick uh the pick is in the top six rounds typically uh 64 is where 64 overall is where pick uh, rookie pick 106 uh, has historically slotted. These are start ones. Uh, there's not enough data really to go back and and do it with Superflex uh, with any comfort. Uh, just based on some of the data I've looked at it, I just don't feel comfortable uh, saying what the exchange rate is at this point because the data is not that great in terms of the Superflex stuff. It's not. We don't have a lot of it. And the rookie data is pretty skewed in terms of uh, there's just some weird numbers in there I don't trust. So um, it's not not trusting anyone's source. It's just I, I think the, the data that I used um, just in some of the years, it just didn't seem like it was capturing Superflex data. So I, I have not really used Superflex rookie data to date as a, as a measure. So, um, some of the startup drafts I've, uh, I've looked at, uh, but the rookie draft stuff is a little, uh, it's a little skewed in terms of some of the numbers. So I wasn't comfortable making any determination, but you take out the, you take out the quarterbacks and you give yourself a pretty good idea of where the comparable, uh, skill positions. So running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, you can sort of gauge where they should fall historically. Um, and quarterbacks, I think, are, are a different animal. Um, and I think there's some inefficiencies there at the quarterback position. So um, uh, we'll sort of see as we get more data and more experience playing super flex and some you know, more resources become available in these, in these sorts of formats, we'll get more data. Um, so the top six in the 50, in 50, that's actually a pretty good class considering um, pick 50 is right around uh, pick 49 in a startup draft is rookie pick four. Uh, so um, 60 is 15 picks later than that. So you're looking pretty good there in terms of the, the I would say the takeaway is right now the class, the, the market likes the class uh, a little bit less at the high end in terms of they don't think the the 101, 102 are uh, as elite as historically has been valued, but think that one, uh, 101 through 106 are above average in terms of where their spots are. So like the, the six is a lot closer to one than you would historically think. Um, and six is, is better than it historically is by um, over a round. So... 
Um, so that's a, I think it's it's compressed at this point. And landing spot and draft pedigree, it'll sort those things out. But I just think that's probably the takeaway on this is that there's a tighter top tier of the draft. There's not a ton of distinction um, where you see more distinction as the as the um, as in history and probably as this class goes along, they'll distinguish themselves a little bit. Um, Eleven in the top eighty. Eighty is typically at. Uh, between picks eight and nine. So you're seeing, you know, again, a couple more picks st- slotting in the top 80 than you otherwise would. Uh, the 11th rookie would be 95 overall. So that is uh, going, again, almost, uh, it's a little over around higher than that pick typically is. So I think the general takeaway, the cla- the market likes this class more than historically, uh, but isn't quite sold on the eliteness at the top vis-a-vis the rest of the market, whether that's the, the market likes, whether it's sample size or whether it's the market likes a lot of the players in the second and third round right now, that's, an, that's equally uh, an explanation. But there's some question about how high guys like DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins will go or same with the wide receivers and Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb. There's some questions with those players at this point. I think the market likes them, uh, isn't sold on the eliteness yet because we don't know landing spot and those sorts of things. I think that's the general takeaway from what the market suggests. But these this exercise and these exercises uh, – basically overlaying this year's class versus past class. I think it's a it's a good exercise. You can find all of this material, uh, this chart. I have it in the Analytics of Dynasty in the 2020 edition. I consult it frequently. I think about the picks a lot. Um, and I sort of, yeah, I talked a little bit about how we're non- playoff first you should sort of think of them i did a whole lot of analysis on how you actually should think about them strategically in the book so you can find all that stuff i did a a deep dive on that and sort of what the true value of those picks are so um, you can find that all uh, in the analytics of dynasty 2020 edition so as long as well as the chart to help you in these sorts of exercises um so that that is the stuff i saw on twitter this week uh, in terms of articles and those sorts of things I wanted to turn now because this has come up a little bit uh, and I got mentioned on Twitter about it and I, I think I want to just lay some foundation, I guess is the easiest way to say it, uh, for this discussion uh, and it revolves around warp. Uh, warp is wins over replacement player. It is a not a new concept that I came up with. Um, I think how I did it is a new concept to dynasty fantasy football uh and the specifically i rolled it out in the 2019 analytics of dynasty uh and wins over replacement is essentially how many fantasy games a player will add over the course of a fantasy regular season at their particular position uh compared to uh, the replacement option that you would have there's a couple of presumptions in there I think are important. Um, And so the first presumption is the replacement level of a particular player. Now for each position, I use a different, I use a different replacement level uh, for, uh, and, and it matters a little bit depending on the format too. So my general rule of thumb is, is I use 
quarterback 18 in a start one format. I use quarterback 18 as my replacement level. And so that's calculated each week. Um, and these replacement levels are used each week. So it's quarterback 18, running back 36, wide receiver 48, and tight end 18. That's my stock PPR, non-super flex, you know, run-of-the-mill dynasty replacement levels. Um, and so each week, it's calculated on a weekly basis. So what that means is any any week that a, a player is actually active and plays, so uh, not a bye week, not a week that someone's suspended, not a week that someone's injured, that a person is active and, and uh, on the active roster. Um, and in quarterbacks, it's when they actually play. Uh, but uh, So running backs, receivers, and tight ends, when they're actually active. Uh, they're measured against the, the replacement level at their particular position for that week. So the who, who, you know, running back X, Latavius Murray, uh, in week four, we're going to see what uh, how many points he has in relation to the running back 36. If he outscores him by five points, uh, he has five points over replacement player. Uh, is is the what the the formula is? So I then add up, yeah, you know, I add up weeks one through thirteen of a player like Latavius Murray. Tells you how far above or below the replacement player it, uh, he was in total points. And at the end of week 13, you take that total number, which would be the points over replacement player uh, in the regular season, and you divide it by 97. Now, the reason you divide it by 97 is simple and straightforward. 97 is the number that I have found in typical 12-team leagues with 10-man starting rosters, which I believe to be as stock-ish as I could find in a large sample size. Uh, that is how much a, uh, a win is uh, worth in points. So for each 97 points you score, uh, you add to your team over the course of the first 13 weeks of the season. So in the regular season of the fantasy playoffs, you should uh, increase your win. Okay, uh, And so that is how the the basic formula for warp works okay so again it's uh quarterback 18 running back 36 wide receiver 48 and tight end for and uh, tight end 18 uh and those are the i picked those numbers uh there's some you could quibble a little bit um and i have had people ask me this well isn't running back 36 too high um, you use sort of a different level of wide receiver i sort of go with the premise that people start more wide receivers than they do running backs um, and you know, and sort of my my thought on the quarterback or tight end is you could off the waiver wire you could typically find someone around that area. I don't I don't think it the exact precise number matters on the the replacement level uh, as much because the places that I picked uh, the replacement levels and I picked them for specific reasons because of sort of how they fell in the positions. But I, I look to make sure when I pick those replacement levels that they happened at relatively flat tiers of scoring. So, if, for example, I was wrong, and you should go with the premise that it's actually quarterback, you know, 22 is really a, a more functional replacement level or something to that effect. It's really not going to change it that much because it's a really flat – all the replacement levels are in really flat areas. So if you – for instance, if you took running back 36 and changed it to 48, for example – it's only going to impact warp by uh, 
a tenth of a point or something, uh, a tenth of a win or something to that effect. So the the it's not that big of a difference. Um, I would note just as a general matter, running backs outperform wide receivers um, in, in warp. And I think a lot of that is because you can get – the way sort of running backs happen, you get you can get lesser games. They can still score a lot of points, and you're sort of not losing anything by the weeks that they're not in because you can plug in a replacement player. Um, and that's that's really what the formula is. Now, um, warp is really important for a lot of different reasons, and I write about this in the Analytics Dynasty 2019 and 2020 edition. Um, and and it's worth noting I have a, a figure as well called a warp which is adjusted wins over replacement player. And that's a very simple next step. You take the, the points over replacement for each week, and all you do is multiply them times uh, the start rate of a player. So players started 100% of the on 100% of teams in MFL, they get the full porp or the points over replacement player. And then you know you divide out their warp and it comes to the exact same as it would be. Uh, and uh, if uh, a player is started less than that, they sort of are, are reduced, uh, and it sort of it works that way to basically get the true impact of a player. Now, what you will find, and and what a huge part of the premise of my strategy is based around these findings in this particular line of study, is is that running back peak weeks. Okay, so running back weeks where you get. Uh, where you know the player is going to start. So Latavius Murray, when Alvin Kamara was out, lock and load, top 16 play in Dynasty League. He was in starting lineups at a really high rate, and he hit for big weeks uh, and, and approached half a win over replacement in the short sample size in which Alvin Kamara was out and he was a starter. What you will find using these metrics is that running backs have much more viability for rosters, and they have a lot more functionality in season than wide receivers do. And you you can track, for example, a guy like Kiki QT a couple years ago had a peak week at like 20% start rate. The number jumps up because he had a boom week. It goes you know, 50, 60, 70, uh, and he has a dud game. And then it drops a little bit, so he started in 50 or 40% of the leagues, and he has another dud game, and it drops back down to 15 20%, and then he has a boom week. So what was happening was is you were getting his, his A-warp, or his adjusted wins over replacement, the true impact of a player. He was actually hurting teams because you weren't getting the full impact of, a, of his good weeks, and you were starting him on his bad weeks. So it sort of it measure it captures that, and so I've done a lot of research on warp and on a warp and sort of how they function and why they're really really good metrics for analyzing your team. And the best part of it is it doesn't just measure a player for a given season. It, it is not just a descriptive stat for a specific player. For instance, you know. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, over two and a half wins over replacement. Ridiculous season in 2019. But you can also capture, and one of my favorite parts about it is you can also capture the value of picks. And you can analyze trades and startup drafts by knowing sort of what the the warp number is at that and what your expectation is. And what you can 
expect from rookie picks in the future. And I did a lot of work on the book in terms of um, in terms of these particular things, looking at you know how much a, a random future first is, for example, worth in terms of actual wins. Because when you sort of boil it down to that, it makes a big difference, right? Then you can actually have a tangible idea of what something is actually worth. It's basically a universal currency for for fantasy football, in particular dynasty fantasy football. You can almost measure anything in in warp. Um, a warp has a limitation, particularly in super flex leagues at quarterback, because the MFL stats don't produce usable uh, start rates for quarterbacks in super flex leagues because there's such a flux there. Um, so it's it's a it's a problem. A warp's limitation is is that it's not suitable for super flex leagues yet. If there becomes a way, you can. And I would encourage MFL to do this when multiple start uh, in leagues where you can start multiple quarterbacks. If they would then post the start rate in of quarterbacks in those leagues, you could sort of uh, you could get a better gauge of a warp. I doubt that things that's going to happen. We're not going to have historic data on that, but that is a, a a limitation of the data that we have available to us now. So, um, but by and large, I I would sort of counter that and sort of extend that. I think you're going to see start rates on on quarterbacks and superflex leagues, quarterbacks into the you know into the teens and into the twenties in terms of weekly starter uh, rankings. You're going to see those up approaching 70, 80, 90 percent, and so you're really getting um, a lot of that warp value in your in your roster because. The quarterbacks are are playing right. You're going to play them in your super flex spot. So that's one area where the data is. I just intuitively can sort of project it forward, and I've measured warp specifically in super flex. And the way you do that is just change the you change the replacement level, and I take it down to 24. You could probably take it even further than that. And um, the problem is, there's some weeks you just can't get like a quarterback 24 this buys and those sorts of things i take it to 24 with the realization it's probably a little bit higher than that um but that's that's where i go in terms of looking for the replacement level in, in super flex leagues um so that's that's warp in a nutshell and like i said it has functionality across all sorts of all sorts of different value perspectives so you can take a look at different positions and you can look at different different uh, decision-making, uh, different rookie picks and startup picks and have a different idea of how players rank in terms of warp and how much pe- players are truly mattering. Uh, one thing that I, it's really been, I think, important is when you see a, a difference in, call it, you know, tight end premium or point per carry or, you know, when these in these tiered PPR scenarios, you can get a different look at how the positions matter and one of the things I think is a little bit overblown is the value of for example tight end premium Uh, you know if it's 1.25 PPR 1.5 or 1.75 it moves the position as a whole and what you'll see is the guys that have a lot higher catches it'll sort of elongate them a bit but you're still moving the entire baseline up, 
right? You're moving the 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 tight end, uh, the replacement tight end. He is also going to score more points. So the gap, we we sort of elevate players in those in those formats. And when I, I've been in some drafts, when when it gets really out of really out of control, and and the tight ends start going really far, it become or really high. It becomes a scenario where I almost I almost punt is a strong word for it but i'll let everyone burn themselves out early on tight ends knowing hey listen if i can still get you know a a top 18 type tight end i'm really not taking that much of a loss and and the fact that it's more tight end premium uh it's still my tight end 18 is still getting 1.5 points per reception or or what have you i sort of do it in a committee type sense when those things get get a little out of hand but so you can you can look at it and you know I looked at some of the players for example McCaffrey is uh the highest that I have in terms of warp for the first three years of his career just a just a uh a tremendous warp producer um two seasons at running back one will do that for you uh 1.84 2.12 and 2.63 wins over replacement and again that's the the weeks one through three is one through 13 measurement so that's six and a half regular season wins more than the replacement player over the past three years. That's just a massive number, uh, just a massive number, averaging uh, just about 2.2 wins over replacement per season. So, um, so yeah, you, j- you can take a look at that and, um, you know, just some, some other names, I think, in terms of just to give an idea how great McCaffrey was, for example. Uh, and I could sort of go on. I won't. I won't. <laughs> I could make this uh, the the warp the warp tour and just talk warp for hours. But um, you know, Dalvin Cook is 1.8 last season. So the difference between McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook was 0.8 wins over replacement. So you're looking at almost a full win in terms of the difference in your teams. Um, and you sort of look down. Austin Eckler was 1.45. Uh, Derek Henry again. He came out a little bit later in the season, so that doesn't bake in the the playoff playoff uh, production isn't measured in here. And the reason why I don't do that is again, I'm looking at making strategic decisions with these numbers and with the values and um, getting into the playoffs and the difference between you know being out of the playoffs and into the playoffs. If you're looking at making a trade, and you can think, hey, listen, I, I can take a win more. How does that sort of factor in for me? Uh, you measure that in the regular season, it can say, hey, I'll take me from six to seven wins. That bumps up my odds of getting in the playoffs. Or going from eight to nine wins, for example, might make you a lot more likely to get a buy. Um, and, and those are the types of decisions where this is really, really helpful um, in terms of making those decisions. So I, I don't include weeks four through 16 in 14 through 16 in my warp calculations because uh, it's aimed to get at something a little bit different in terms of overall team build and not the randomness of or the, the high variance nature of the playoffs. I still look at the seasonal finishes, for example. I look at seasonal finishes for players, and I think that matters a lot in the analysis. But warp is measuring the how much a player is going to help you in the regular season. So, um, yeah, and if you look at it, you know, like a guy like, for example, you look at tight end, a guy like Kelsey this year, uh, 0.99 wins over replacement. So he was good. Just think of how much more um, uh, a guy like McCaffrey did than, uh, you know, than um, 
than uh, Kelsey. It's just a, it's just a pretty massive gap. So, um, yeah, all of, looking at all of those things and, and just sort of comparing it, engaging it, um, it gives you a pretty helpful idea about how uh, about how players rank and how how they sort of compare to one another um, when you're when you're comparing it out. Um, you know, I for example, uh, Michael Thomas this year. Um, you know, 1.3 wins over replacement. So good, but not in the, the strata that was, uh, that was uh, Christian McCaffrey. So, um, and you'll see that a little bit with wide receivers too. Like th- they'll get you good, you know, relatively good um, production. You can get guys in the mid ones, but you rarely see guys up in the twos. And you know the the running back one, for example, usually finishes about two point one warp. Is this about the number? So um, that's typically where you see them them come in. So um, so yeah, that's that's an overview of warp. I know there was been some conversation on it, um, and I'm glad. I want. I would love to see people talk more about this and, and use the concepts and, and take it to different levels and look at it in different ways and, and, uh, and measure it and all those things. I, I, am excited for that. So, um, so yeah, that, that'll put a wrap on the show. Again, I, um, I just want to thank everyone for listening. If you're looking for more audio content, you can find it at patreon.com slash analytics of dynasty. I've got uh, multiple podcasts up there a week Um, for four bucks a a month. You can get uh, a couple podcasts a week. Um, I go even deeper on the, um, at the higher level uh, of my, of my tiers in terms of for $10 a month, you can get the, my dynasty tiers uh, breaks down quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends in a different way. Uh, it's a different take on rankings. I it's not straight rankings, but it's looking at some different odds and range of outcomes on players. Uh, it's a it's a different look in terms of valuation. Um, and I do a, I do even more podcasts at that level. And then uh, for um, I also have the level up at up at twenty bucks a month. You can get all of that content um, and and get in the group meet chat, which is great. A lot of sharp owners there. A lot of uh, you know a lot of drafts that are going on now. In uh, a lot of trades. Um, now I'm still waiting for some teams to get rolled over on MFL. Hopefully it'll be coming here soon. Um, there's some public leagues that I guess they're holding off on rolling over for uh, a couple weeks while MFL gets this thing squared away. I can't wait to jump back in, <laughs> but I'm um, do some startup drafts. But um, I already have people going, doing them, getting some good data, getting some good ideas uh, through their drafts. So you can find all that at slash Patreon. Or excuse me, patreon.com slash analytics dynasty got it backwards. Uh, you can find the books. And if listen, if you're new to this podcast, if you're new to me and thinking, hey, some of this sounds interesting, or I'm newer to dynasty, you know, what should I do? Go get the 2019 edition of the analytics of dynasty. That's last year's. It's still all topical. It's evergreen stuff. Um, nothing that I wrote in there uh, changes much. It's, uh, it's all historical database uh, database analysis and it's um, long-term team building different ideas on how to look at players how to evaluate your team uh, how to identify players to avoid uh, and, and strategies on how to look at players and what you're looking for in drafts and all of those sorts of things so if you're new to dynasty or you're new to me and thinking you know I, I want to get uh, a more broad-based strategy 
thinking about all those things, go get the Analytics Dynasty 2019 edition. Uh, if you're playing super flex drafts, if you're looking for a little bit more advanced stuff in terms of how to look at players and different metrics on how to look at success for players and um, you know what's a, what's a player missing through the first couple years of his career, like on Johnson, what's his hit rate look like? Because it, it shifts a lot after missing for a couple years. Or what's a guy like Darius Geis? What's his prior look like? Those things are really, really helpful. And I have all that data in the Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition. And then it, I also look at densities and, and different types of team constructions. I did a lot of simulations with Warp and AWARP uh, and, and come up with different team builds and different team constructions and different ways to look at team building that it's going to give you a leg up on your on your team. There's a ton of super flex stuff in there, a lot of different strategy. Um, and, I, I, you know, it's something I really enjoyed reading or it's, I really enjoyed writing. And I know a lot of people have enjoyed reading it and people have been telling me they're they already got through it and they're they're really excited and getting into drafts and using it and i'm loving some of the team builds we're seeing so we're getting good positive early results on it so you can find all that the the books um analytics at dynasty.com slash shop um so um thanks for tuning in again hope you're enjoying the podcast and until um until we talk again keep embracing the variants and we'll talk again soon